Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another FHP podcast episode. I'm Antonio Capos, your host, alongside Ben Rutledge, lead analyst and co-host. We are going to be going through our positional rankings today, as well as some league news, you know, um, catching back up with it. You know, we get, the league start is, what, a month away now? A little over. Yeah, a little over a month. It's a, uh, Tuesday, September the 6th. So, yeah, it's one yeah, month and days. six days away. Counting the days. I'm so ready for hockey to be back. We both just joined, well, Ben did a little bit earlier than me, but we both just joined a sim league called Flex NHL or Flex HL, I guess. Um, where it's basically just a simulated league with players from the NHL, 32 teams. Very cool. Um, but yeah, we're just getting into that. Obviously, lots of fun for us. If you guys want to check it out, we may have some posts coming out on Instagram about it. Not sure yet, though. We need to get some confirmations first. Um, otherwise, let's get right into it with just some signings first before we get into our positional rankings. Who do we have first, Ben? So, yeah, the first, the first signing... That came out recently was Tage Thompson extended seven years by seven point one four million dollars per year with the Buffalo Sabers. Um, you know, I think the the deal's a bit questionable. He still didn't this year left on his contract. He came off a breakout year, obviously, which we all know he was incredible. But before then, he'd been between the NHL and AHL. He hadn't really cl- cracked the lineup. And you see one good season out of him, and you pay the guy for seven years. Uh, I, I'm not I, saying this, but it does have some Jeff Skinner potential on it. At least he's younger. But the I, thing about Skinner is, is Skinner had been a proven NHL player, whereas Thompson may not even be a true proven NHL player. I think he is. I think at the end of the day, the deal will be just seen as fine because I think this deal is about what he deserves if he repeats last season, I think last season is his cap. So in terms of real life value, I think it's fine if he repeats, but if he's not, if he doesn't repeat, it's definitely an overpay. I think considering it's Buffalo and, you know, with their whole history with players like Jack Eichel, I think they have to be worried that Tage Thompson has like a better year. Two things. Tage Thompson has a better year next, like this coming year, uh, meaning that his value increases. And also they, they want to make sure that they lock him down long-term because you know, the Sabres haven't had much success at all recently, considering they are on quite literally the longest playoff drought in NHL history, I'm pretty sure, coming up on this year. I just think that they could have waited at least till halfway through the season to see if he repeats. Like, there's still a chance that he, he, goes, he scores like 10 goals next year. Yeah. And you just paid the guy $50 million, like... And it's repeat it's, Jeff Skinner, and you still have the Jeff Skinner contract on your books, and then you're like, yeah, again, but like he's a bit older too, like he's 26. But anyway, going back to fantasy, I do think he's going to repeat essentially the same season, in my opinion. I think he's, I think that's his cap. I don't really see a world where he gets better. He scored 40 goals. Maybe his playmaking numbers come up a little bit with better line mates, that being Tuck and Krebs or something yeah, like that, that. That probably takes away from his goal potential then. However, I yes do believe, no, like, but I more you know, mean like they could just score more. Though. So I think that like there's not going to be as many like opportunities for there to be like terrible teams. Like the Canadians aren't going to be one of the easier matchups anymore. Like the Senators yeah, they are. Gonna be... They're still going to be bad. The okay, Canadians are still going to be really for, bad. For example, the Senators, they have taken a big jump. And so like basically every team in the Atlantic has stayed the same, if not improved. Um, Except the Bruins. I, st- I think they stayed the same. Except for the start of the season where they lost. Actually, the- I think. Um, actually, I think the 
Leafs got slightly worse. The Lightning got worse. The Panthers got worse. The Bruins got worse. I don't think that. How did the Bruins get worse? Explain that one to me. Because they just all got older. Yeah, but they added. Like they're they're naturally regressing in the other way. They didn't have Lindholm last year, but they're except for yes, the they did. Yes, they did. That's what I'm going off of the most recent performance. Like, why would I go off of their October first start last year? Like, that's just stupid. I mean, I guess so, but like, I still think that they're at an evil even plane when they're fully healthy. We'll see how that works out, though. I st- I still think the Atlantic's just going to be a lot closer of the division this year, and there's definitely not going to be as many free wins as there were last year. Um, yeah, that's definitely true. But yeah, I think Tage went like he's considering he's going to be on the ice with him more of a goal scorer in Alex Tuck. He's probably going to be getting more playmaking. Probably takes away from some of his goals. But my my big point here was that um, you know we always say that like if if there's time on the ice, even the bad teams have to score goals eventually. Um, but I think that there's going to be less so of that this year because the teams are going to be a lot tighter. So it's going to be. Yeah, like- and so connecting this back to Thompson as a whole, I think we have him both in the 95 to 115 range. Um, and that's, I think, that's a good value for him. That's that like that's still a, a high pick, which he should be. But that does minimize the risk value if you were to bust. Like if you're even if you take him at 95, say if you take him inside the top 100, you still have taken nine players before him. In a 10-team league, uh, eight or so in a 12. Um, so I think that this is like this isn't too much of a reach at this point. Obviously, if you get him later, it's better. Ideally, around the 105, I think is where I have him. Tony, you have him just slightly lower. So, like, I think this is the best spot to take him. Obviously, you have to know that there is a risk factor, but to me, I like him at that value, and he's one of my favorite players taking just outside the top 100 for me. All right, what's our next signing? The next signing is Sam Steele signs one year, 825K with the Minnesota Wild. I'll just briefly touch on this. So basically, Sam Steele was at one point a very highly touted prospect. He was a first round pick of the Anaheim Ducks. He's obviously struggled. He's only surrounded. I think he's got up like 30 points once and has always been lower than that. Um, so I think two things are good here. One, it's a fresh start. And two, he's going to a Minnesota Wild team who took a shot at him because he has potential because he's still pretty young. And lost Fiala. Zuccarello is likely to regress. I expect a regression from Hartman. I think Kaprizov will, will still be really good. I think Boldy will be good. And I think Rossi comes in, makes a big impact. But they're still really looking for some third-line scoring, possibly even second-line scoring, depending on how, how, this, how everything shakes out. And I think Steele has a ton of potential and... And taking, I'm not necessarily drafting steel, but someone to watch for, maybe even think if you really are a believer or if you're in a really deep, deep league, um, you can join him or you can take him um, and he can be a, a kind of depth player for you. But I think the potential and the opportunity is there. Whether steel can actually take it is a different question, which is why he's not automatic draft for me. Because if he had some more, if he had some more proven NHL talent, I would take him. But I think. At this t- moment in time, unless you're in a 14-team-plus league um, or you're in a um, – yeah, nothing else to say. Unless you're in a 14-team-plus league, don't draft him. Just watch him. All right. Who do, who do we have next? The next signing is Jake Ottinger signs for three years, $4 million a year with the Dallas Stars. So I, I, I really like him this year. I know, obviously, Ben's said that he's liked them more in the past, but – 
I wasn't really high on him until like I saw what Dallas was able to do this year, considering they actually made the playoffs. And I wasn't really expecting that. I, I was expecting the regression to kind of continue. Um, but especially with like Jason Robertson and Hintz really breaking onto the scene. And if Pavelski, that's how you say that name, right? I, Jesus, that was like kind of like, you know, when when there's like a word that you say, but it doesn't sound right sometimes, but it's like you said it right anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if that line can stay together and keep producing, um, and I, I feel like a lot is going to depend on how their decor really shapes up without Klinberg in it. Um, I know, like Heiskin is obviously a very good defenseman, but it's going to de- depend a lot on the rest of the decor there. Um, I like the team definitely because they're going to probably be making another push for the playoffs. I think they're going to be around a wild card again. Obviously, we're talking about standings because the biggest goalie stat is wins, and that really matters for goalies. Um, I think, in my opinion, he's a top 10 goalie in the league at this point, and so obviously that makes him top 10 for fantasy because the Stars are still a good team. To me, um, to me, I'm just pulling up our rankings here, but I think we both have him just inside the top 10 in our goalie. We broke him down into tiers, but according to our tiers, I have him... I think I have him tier two or tier three. I have him nine in last goalie in tier two, and you have him. You have him nine as well, second goalie in tier three. So you can see we're very a bit lower on goalies than Ben is. Obviously, if you look at our our, our goalie tiers, it's pretty. That's that's an ep- that's the next episode coming out. Is we're just spending an episode breaking down our goalie tiers, but this one, obviously, if you've read the title, is about positional rankings. Um, so yeah, not much else we need to touch on Onger there. I think you're in agreement there. Yeah. So the next signing is JT Miller signs extends seven years, $8 million a year. I think this is a good signing. I think obviously it's a bit long. So at the end, but again, it's only eight mil. I think eight mil is a good signing for him. He was really good last year. Obviously he had 99 points as Antonio mentioned in the Instagram post that we posted earlier. This did this season is a bit different compared to the rest of it, so keep that in mind. However, I don't believe too much of a regression will take place. If it, like I think the Canucks are still going to be good, and so I think very similar production is is to be expected. I think I'm honest. This is, I'm still a little bit hesitant around him. I like I know you might be still like you might believe in this, but I'm still a bit hesitant considering he was still like a second third line center. Two, ba- two years back and like obviously with Vancouver he's had a very good progression in his career and he's fit in, fit in really well third line center what the hell are you talking about JT Miller when yeah, he was what, Tampa he was with Tampa in like 2015 when he was a third line center that was like three years back it, it wasn't 2015 I was just looking at his stats this morning he was also on the Rangers in there too but anyway, three years ago, he was still only getting like 40 points in a year. Like it was, it was not, he was on the Rangers before Tampa. Anyway, um, I still have my hesitancies around him because he's only had two point per game seasons in his career so far. And he's already, what, 29? Um, so yes, he can be a late bloomer and I like that's fine. But I don't expect him to be anywhere near 100 points yet again this year. I'm my projection is probably around 80 uh, or 85 points ish. Um, just because like I, this guy's good, but there's all there's been that shakiness over in Vancouver. Obviously, Bruce Bruce has really helped around um, the locker room kind of reassemble over there. But um, JT Miller's play style altogether is more two way. 
Um, so I, I, I'm thinking that next year, if the team's going to have success and they have other players on their team stepping up like Horvat and Pedersen, he's probably going to focus more on his um, defensive and two-way play. So his points are definitely probably going to drop. Yeah, I just don't think I agree with that. I think, in my opinion, he's the best player on that team. Um, and I think that he's and should be the best player on that team for fantasy, too. And so I just think that he's going to continue his success. He was amazing last year, and I think Hughes and Pedersen won't struggle the same way they did um, at the start of the year. And so I think to expect him to have a full good season is is very, um, very realistic. All right, so getting to the last two signings here, they're quick. I'll just touch on them. So Evgeny Sveshnikov signs one year, 750K with the Sharks. Mainers, I mentioned this, is he was a, de- he's a decent player. He played on the third line for the Jets. He has a bit of, he has some talent. He's I don't love him as much as Steele, but again, he's just gonna get a fair amount of opportunity in San Jose. And I think San Jose again took a shot on him with opportunity. Doesn't excite me as much as Steele. Uh, however, still like the idea of of him. So just again, watch watch list him down the road. And the final player, Eric Brandstrom, signs one year 900 k re-signs one year 900 k with the Senators. Um, Brandstrom's likely to be kind of a bottom pairing guy, but he is quick, shifty, and a good puck-moving defenseman. And so with a better Senators team, I think the chance of him producing and possibly getting that second power play, Shabbat getting the first, him getting a second, and with the Senators adding depth, I think that second power play could do enough as well as his 5-5 five five play to earn him a, a deeper league uh, draft. I think if you're in a 14 plus team league uh, and you have five plus defensemen, so a lot of defensemen being taken, I do like Branchstrom. I think he's a good, he's a good late round flyer. Um, and that's a decent, decent player to grab there. So that'll wrap up the signing. We have a bit of other news to touch on before we get into our, our main segment here. Um, but before we get to that, um, I think we have to mention something here. Talking about all this depth stuff has reminded me. Antonio and I have put together a 24-team league uh, on our Instagram. We're putting together it. We have 14 teams in it now at the moment, so 10 teams left. Um, We're looking to fill that out. Uh, Not sure if you guys are familiar. The idea is somewhat based off the Walter Picks 32-team league. Um, We started off with 24, but obviously if it's really successful, we'll move it to a 32-team league. Um, We've had lots of interest in it so far, so... It's only been up for a couple of days, so we've had a fair, about it, fair amount of interest. So if you are interested, DM us on Instagram at Fantasy Hockey Pucks. We'll get you in. We'll get you uh, get you started out. It's on Fantrax for you guys who are listening. So if you want to preemptively download the app, if you don't have it, that would be appreciated. Um, but yeah, DM us at Fantasy Hockey Pucks, and we'll sort you guys out there. So make sure to join in there. All right, heading back. Back to just a bit of recent news. Going back, as as we mentioned, we have the FHP Gaming Channel now. So going back to some some things that happened bef- between now and the last episode is the NHL 23 gameplay trailer was released. So we're going to give you a bit of our thoughts on that first. So Tony, do you want to start on what your thoughts are a bit on the gameplay that we've seen so far out of it? I mean, obviously, I really like the fact that um, you're going to be able to make plays and not just kind of like fall completely off the puck when you're hit. Um, my one hesitancy though is like I think we were talking about it earlier is that it looked like it was pretty easy to score and I know that this year if you were bumped off the puck and were able to get the puck back right in front of the net it's basically a goal every time Uh, so if that's the case and and they don't really fix that goalie glitch where like if you lose possession they can't really read or track you um, in front of the net and you gain possession close Um, if they don't fix that then it, it could 
cause problems and just like a really easy scoring for NHL 23 kind of ruin the game in my opinion. But I don't think it's going to be that easy to score. I think they're just taking the best clips. Like as any good advertising team would, they took the best clips that they got. I thought it was hilarious when they showed the background of the people, like the random guy in that like animated suit making the graphics when he was skating and then just dove on the ice, just like (laughs) ate it on the ice. I thought that was really funny. Um, but I think I think that's a good I think it's a bit exaggerated to what happens in real life, but I like the idea of it and the idea that like especially in World of Chell, when you get breathed on by someone with truculence X Factor, you They're don't just like, instantly oh. just crumple. You can actually make a play on the puck. I like and then other than that, some of the strategy stuff is really cool. I mean, and Tony and I are pretty nerdy into it. Like we kind of adjust our strategies anyway. Um, but the ability to adjust your strategies on the fly in game is nice. The ability to pull goalie without having to waste a pause is also yeah. also like very the, helpful. The suggestions for online games. Useful. I think that for online games, that's really good. Um, as well, the new power play system that they added and the way they show, just the way they updated, like showing the players in their respective positions rather than that like three, two block that they normally had, I think is also cool the way that they kind of updated that power play. Yeah. And like how they have distributor and like finisher and yeah. And, and that's also really, I think really helpful. That's also for franchise mode, really helpful in SIM because you'll be able to actually get some more realistic stats. Like Mitch Marner won't score 45 goals for me Uh, in franchise, which obviously I'm not complaining about, but Mitch Marner is not a 45 goal scorer. He's more of a 35 goal scorer. So we can see some more, some balance there. And then other than that, there wasn't too much. They added two new X factors. They added a like the diving X factor that's on Sarah Nurse. And they added the I can't remember what the names were to either of these, but the, the Zegris Michigan and still yeah, something like that for Zegris. Um, which is cool. Um I think, yeah, that just makes it easier to execute okay, the Michigan. I'm, I'm really hoping that they do change some of the X factors around. Um yeah, we haven't seen I, we I, haven't seen that like what the updated rankings are. The first ranking came out today. Zegris is an eighty-seven. That's all we know. But like um, honestly, like Svechnikov should probably have that Zegris X factor if we're honest. Yeah. Instead like, of like a win the windmill is it that he has right now? I don't I don't know what he it's has. Like a Spinorama one, like. But I think yeah, they to update some of the X factors. I expect that will happen to give some players who didn't have X factors X factors. <coughs> William Nylander. Um, I, I also Thank really you. hope for a franchise that you're a lot like players are able to develop their own X factors through the yes, years. That would be really nice. Kind of like Madden has it where based on player success in game, they're able to update their ranking. Yeah. They're not yeah. ranking Even update like their X factor thing where it's like, if you score a hundred points this year, you will be eligible for an X factor. I yeah. Mean, if you, if you lead the league and like a defense player, if you lead the league in takeaways or something, or your top 10 in takeaways, you get the superstar X factor for this, like something like that. Just, it would just make it more fun and realistic to see that player growth rather than rather than having to essentially go in and edit the player, I think would be nice. It can lead to a bit of some unrealistic X factors, but I prefer that than just stagnant, uh, just stagnant play, to, if I'm honest. And also players' ability to lose the X factor, like when Dougie Hamilton's 37 years old on my third pairing, he's not still heat seeker X factor. Like talking about, about our 10-year... <laughs> talking about our 10-year Chell franchise, but... Yeah. Yeah. So I I think all that's good stuff. We haven't seen too much about any of the new modes or anything yet. Just gameplay, obviously, in the cover athlete. So we will keep you up to date when that happens. And that's yeah, think, about it for the game. I think we should get moving on 
One last thing, we'd also like to congratulate the Women's Hockey Team Canada for winning World Championships. On Sunday, they beat USA, which is essentially always the matchup. They beat the the U.S. in the gold medal game. Uh, so congratulations to Sarah Nurse and congratulations to the to, to, team, to team Canada as a whole. Yeah, okay. Um, All right. Moving on. Without further ado, let's get into our rankings here. So we're going to start with – so this is our positional rankings out podcast. We're going to break down our top 10 um, and then give you our three favorites. So we have top 25 in total. We'll break down our top 10 and then give you our three favorites of each position after that. So yeah, Antonio, wanna wanna start us off here with just talk about the consensus top four, top five, top six. Just talk about the consensus top four that we have for uh, centers. I, I think there's really a gap after Leon Drysaddle. Like our yeah. like Connor McDavid, obviously best player on the planet. Austin Matthews not too far behind him. I think there's a little drop off between him and McKinnon and Drysaddle, but obviously that four is still very close together. Um. And those are top four players in fantasy yeah. too. Like that should be your order one, two, three, four in all drafts. Yeah, and I, I really think that there's no other way you can really put that. Like obviously, maybe you flip flop Drysdale and McKinnon, but uh, in my opinion, McKinnon's just better. Obviously, he just won the cup. Um, continuing on, we still have consensus. If you want to talk about that? Yeah. So next two players, I think are pretty close. We have Alexander Barkov. Um, I think with Huberto gone, but he gets Kachuk. I think. I think it chucks uh, actually I don't know. They're they're very similar players. I but I think they'll actually play together. So I think we could see Kachuk and Barkov really explode together yeah. and both be over 100 points, very realistic, I think. And to expect that in 35 goals from Barkov um very easy to expect for categories leagues. He's he's always good for obviously plus minus but also he he's pretty good at getting those getting blocks and it isn't too shabby at hits and shots either. So he's a very five category guy um and i think yeah he's uh he's definitely someone who who's obviously we both agree consent he's the fifth center the next player after that is steven stamkos we have him consensus at six i expect a little bit of regression like he had 42 goals and 115 points or something like that so i think maybe 40 goals is realistic again but probably closer to 110 points 105 Maybe in a hundred, but probably within with between a hundred and one hundred and ten, if he stays healthy, um, is where I'd expect Stamkos to be. I mean, yeah. I don't know about that. There's probably going to be regression due to age. Like it's pretty crazy. Like even in my Chell league, I had Stamkos last year at the age of 38 win the Art Ross and Hart. That is not realistic. Um, <laughs> I do not expect him to keep up this play. It was shocking to me. I mean, he probably the quietest hundred point year this year. Like nobody was talking about it at all, considering we had so many this year. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I think there's going to be a little bit of regression there. I don't think he's going to get 110. Yeah, I didn't mean to say 110. I actually meant to say 105. Um, but I think to me that's where he sits. And obviously we have because as a consensus six center. So that's it for the consensus rankings. So Antonio, you want to touch on your seven? Then I'll do my seven. Yeah, sounds good. Um, all right, so my seven, Sidney Crosby, obviously still a very, very solid player. Um, he had a, a very quiet season last year. Like he went point per game, which like was was obviously a little bit of regression from previous seasons, but considering he's had injuries, injury issues, and his roster hasn't been exactly amazing due to those injuries in the last couple of years, that's a very solid season for from him, 84 points. 
I think that this year, considering they they likely will have Malkin back with him on the power play, and they they've kind of like this is like their last hurrah as a team, kind of same situation the Bruins are in. They have like one or two years left until everybody's a little bit too old to even continue going with this core. Um, but I think he's still a very solid guy. That's definitely still going to get point per game. Like you can almost guarantee it. It's Sidney Crosby. Um, and I think you just got to, you know, he's a very solid piece. It's not, he's not anybody that's going to fluctuate all too much. He's not going to be like one of those guys. That's like, it's either 75 points or it's like a 99. No, he's probably going to get you point per game, maybe get you upwards up to 90 points, but I don't expect anything above that. Yeah, that's, I, um, I think I agree with that. So my seven, I'm not going to really touch on him. We already touched on my seven is JT Miller. Um, as mentioned, we already touched on him. And I think. 95 points is is realistic for him again um and i like him there so i have him as my center seven so antonio i'll just touch on eight we actually do have consensus at eight and mika zibanejad antonio actually just acquired him in dynasty earlier this this off season um but zibanejad obviously he's a great number one center um and they got a better number one center, better number two center in Trocheck, in my opinion. So I think I think we could see Panarin and Zbanjad play together the whole season because I don't think they need to have Panarin run that second line. I think Trocheck and Kreider could run it on their own. Um, so I think if we get a Panarin Zbanjad duo, I think you could even see Zbanjad jump a little higher. Um, but I think Zbanjad has showed a bit of regression. But I think forty goals is very realistic, and ninety points also very realistic for Zbanjad even higher if he plays with Panarin. So I like Sabanajad and as do you at number eight. Yep. My nine's Miller. Um, so I'll just jump to my 10, which also tends, um, happens to be your number nine. Um, but it's Sebastian Aho of the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, I like him a lot too. Likely, he's playing with Svechnikov, right? Probably Svechnikov and Teravainen as their top line. Like a very solid line there, depending on when Pacioretty gets back. Um, that you might Probably see the- January, February. Um, but I still think that like the Carolinas, Carolina is a very dangerous team. Obviously, they're a very like a top five team, pretty consensus. Um, obviously, took down my Bruins pretty quickly last year. Seven seven games respectable, but they still took us down pretty easily. Um, I I really like their scoring. I think they their depth is kind of whittled out a little bit. Um, meaning that they're probably going to be a little bit more top heavy this year in scoring, which is go- a good thing for Aho. Um, but I think that really just he matches up well here against other people. Like I like him more than the people I have later in this list, obviously. And I obviously don't wouldn't take him above people like Zabanajad and Miller who are on um very good offenses. But you I think did that... take him above Miller. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. You have oh no, you have Miller at nine. Never mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Car- Carolina is very solid this year, and I think that considering um they don't have quite as much in the depth. They're definitely going to be relying more on their stars like Aho and Svechnikov to step up. All right. So as Antonio mentioned, I have Aho at nine and I have Crosby at 10. So just quickly going back, we have consensus McDavid one, Matthews two, McKinnon three, Drysdale four, Barkov five, Stamco six. Then I have Miller seven. You have him nine. You have Crosby seven. I have him 10. We both have Zabanaj at eight. And then I have Aho nine. You have Aho 10. So consensus top 10 a little bit of different order in the back end there but as mentioned we will touch on our touch on three players after the break all 
All right, everybody, we're back. Um, so now we're both going to touch on our three favorites from centers, and then we're going to move on to left wing, right wing defense, uh, and then end the video. But would you like to start? Do you want me to start with my favorites from from center? Uh, you go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to start with our consensus 12th overall center. Um, Jack Eichel has been, if I'm honest, I think he's been slept on because of his lack of um, success really in Vegas. But listen, he was point per game coming off an injury where that kept him out a year. He's now going to be able to have the offseason to um, work out and figure out his chemistry with the rest of Vegas and be one of their premier players, considering that they got rid of players like Pacioretty. Um Dadnov, other guys in their top six. Um, but I think that honestly, we have to remember that Jack Eichel was a consensus top 10 center, what, two, three seasons ago? And he's only gained age from there. He's not, it's not like he's really old. He's 25 years old. He's not out of his prime whatsoever. He just had this one injury that took away from his game. Obviously, I don't expect him to get back quite to that level, but I think that he could definitely make it back into the top 10. I don't think he's going to be like top five, like he was talked about before, but. I think that he could be in the conversation for being on the same level as players like Zibanejad, where he's a very good goal scorer. Like, he had 40 goals in his career, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he has. Um, and he was really carrying that team, too. It's like, it was a bad Sabres team. Like, a team that, sure, they were fighting for the playoffs, but Vegas is a team that could easily be making, it like, rounds into the playoffs. And so I think that his upside is um, humongous, considered considering where he's being drafted. And I really like him, even though, like, I think his floor is probably around the production that he had with when he was on Vegas last year, where he was about just under point per game. I think his ceiling is he could easily come out and have a ninety point season. I I would not, I would not be that surprised. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with him. You have Eichel twelve. I have Eichel twelve as well. Um, so obviously we're in a green there. The player that I want to touch on first is Jack Hughes. I have Jack Hughes at number eleven. Um, I think he's going to have a massive breakout season. I think he's going to he's going to have the season that Matthews had a couple of years ago where he's he's amazing like he's he shows a lot of flashes and then really comes out and dominates the dominates offensively the whole season. I think 90 points for him is very realistic. I think they added they obviously had Hamilton but they added probably Pilot to play with him and Brat Hamilton on the point a just straight up better team with more depth having Heischer, Tatar, Janssen, Sharangovich also down on that second line. Um, and so I think to expect to expect 90 points from Hughes is very realistic. I think he showed lots of poise that, or lots of potential to break out. And I think this will be the first season that he truly, truly does break into that elite potential. And I think, like Eichel, we could definitely be talking about him as a top 10 fantasy center in a year's time. All right, my next guy is Braden Point. I currently have him at around 15 in my, not around yet, at 15 in my, uh, center rankings, Ben has him at 22, which I think is a bit too low. But just considering, we have to remember, this is a guy that when they were first uh, winning the Cup, he, I'm pretty sure he put up 25, 30 points in that playoff run. It's a very solid center, um, and he should be up there with like on the same line with either Stamkos and Kucherov or some pairing of those two players. Um, considering what they want to do with their depth, if they want to split them up, he could be on a line with the two of those guys, in which case I think that he has very high upside. But I think he's a guy that, in my head, I've always thought of him as a point-per-game guy, even though he hasn't quite produced that because of injuries on, to him and to the players around him on his team. Big ones being to be considered are Kucherov and Stamkos, obviously the two best players on the team aside from him. 
um, and Hedman, obviously, but he hasn't really gotten injured. And Vasilevsky. Yeah, but um, Stamkos had the core injury, and Kucherov was held out, obviously, the whole year that one year and came back and got injured again. Um, but if they are able to stay healthy and together, I think point you saw in the playoffs um, when everybody was healthy, what, two years ago? What he was able to do, and he's only gotten better since then, in my opinion. I I, th- I don't think that it's so much been regression. I think it's just been his, the situation around him has just kind of changed. Um, but I think that with the the depth kind of regressing a little bit on the Lightning, they are going to look to have point and some of the younger guys bring out some some of that more flame and X factor talent again. And um, it's going to be challenging for them this year. When they it's the first year that they didn't win in a couple of years, so. I think they're going to have a little bit more fire. Obviously, that they're a little bit more relaxed now that they've kind of proven themselves as a good team. But um, I think they they're definitely going to have to keep proving themselves in a very challenging Atlantic Division, and Point's going to be part of that. So I, the next player I had was also Braden Point. However, I have him for the opposite reason as Antonio just mentioned. If you break down points, if you break down Point's production, he's he played a full season in 2020, 2021, but that was only 56 games. He's only played a full season once in his five in his six year career. In his first year, he had he only played 68 games, then he played 82, then 79, but then 66, 56, 66 again. He's only been over point per game once in his entire career. Um, and that season he also scored 40 plus goals. He hasn't reached 30 goals. He hasn't reached 30 goals since 2018-19. Another thing to look at is last year he's had 58 points, but he was minus five which means he was giving up more goals, which is not good for playing time. That that suggests that playing time will go down. And that has he, to do stuff with his, with his line too, though. It's not just... No, that, that's un, that's un, I understand that, but if a superstar player should never be in the minus if they're that good offensively. So clearly he doesn't dominate offensively either. There's a lot of play in his own zone. He had 10 power play goals and 22 power play assists, obviously very good. However, the losing Palat on that top power play, who's a very underrated, he was a very underrated, very important player on that power play. He's one of the be- one of their distributors. Obviously, Kucherov is one of the best distributors in the game, but I think to see a power play regression is also somewhat realistic. Um, and the thing about his shot percentage is his shot percentage has been normal or has been his career average. He's been about his career average the last three seasons, and his goals have been down since that 2018-19 season. Obviously, he's had lots of injuries, um, and he's coming off another ankle injury in the playoffs, not another, but he had another injury where that he got hurt in the playoffs in Game 7, fell awkwardly into the boards. So that's another thing that he's already coming into the season banged up. Um, he's losing his line mate in plot. I think he's going to be pretty much alone on that second line. That top line is probably going to be Stamkos, Kucherov, and probably Kalorn, and then they'll come back with him, Sorelli, and I don't even know who after at that point. Um, but Nick Paul maybe, or or probably Ross Colton. But the, there's just not a lot that excites me about him heading into this year, which is why I'm at 22. Obviously, still he's a very good player. Like he produced just under point per game. That's not that's not to be discounted. But that this notion that he's an elite fantasy center, even a very good fantasy center, in my opinion, is is a bit overrated. Which is why I have him as my center 22, um, and much lower than Antonio does in our top in our top 200 as well. That's kind of a first time now that I think about it that we've aggressively disagreed. Yeah, like I'm still very high on this guy, and you're and I'm and I'm not. So I guess at this point you can take the two points that we both provided to you and uh, make yeah. your decision. Yeah. But yeah, that's where either of us have him. All right, so Tony, who's the third player that you want to touch on? All right, let me look at this again really quickly. Um. 
All right. Let's let's go with Yeah, we're gonna go with my home dog for the last one. Patrice Bergeron. Um I, I just I he's not oh shit. Sorry. My bad. I just realized something happened. Um my file from the last part of the episode just finished converting. But um Patrice Bergeron is a vital part of the Bruins. I just wanted to make some points on him. There's the positive and negative. I the, just why I have him here. Um offensively at the start of the season they're going to be relying a, a lot on him carrying the first line it's probably going to be him debrusque and zaka until marshawn gets back so i think that he's going to be considering the time he's going to have to be carrying that line offensively so hopefully that's going to bring up out his offensive game a little bit more um if not he could be irrelevant on offense if we're honest because marshawn's gone and that's basically his chemi his main chemi guy mind you that's only for 14 games and marshawn's back once Marshawn gets back, I think that line worked really well last year. It showed why. And that Bergeron was still able to put up, I think, what? Let me just double check these stats for you guys. Um, but I believe he was still able to put up just under point per game. Uh, here it is. <clears throat> ta -da, ta -da, ta -da. Yeah, he was put up, able to put up 65 points in 73 games, which is very solid. Um Obviously, he missed nine games in there, which is a bit worrying considering his, his age. But um, I think that he's still a very elite player, obviously winning the Selkie best defensive player last year. But it is, the big upside to him is that he was really a late bloomer, um, had his most goals like a year or two ago uh, when he had a 34 or something. Um, but I think that with. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the sarcastic clap from Ben. That's brutal. Hey, this guy's a defensive god, OK? Um, relax, but with the incoming of Krejci, I think that the Bruins power play is going to really increase and take a boost, which is where Bergeron was really able to get most of his goals when he had that 30 goal season. Um, so I think that there's a good chance that Krejci is really going to help him out on the power play with his facilitating. Um, but otherwise I don't see Bergeron really st stepping off. I think he's going to keep the same level that he was last year. Uh, if not get back to that point per game pace. Considering this is probably like the last run for the Bruins, I think he's going to give it his all. Um, considering I, I'm expecting him to to retire come the end of the season. Yeah, you know, you were obviously really high on Bergeron last year, and I was much lower, calling him a bust at his ADP, which I was right. I was not calling him a bust as a whole, but I was right that he regressed. And I think that you've definitely adjusted your sights on where you think he is, and which is why we have, we're very similar on him this year. You have him obviously 22. I have him 24. So we're very similar on him last year. Whereas last year, it was like a point discrepancy in how big we were on where we thought he was. Yeah, so I I'm thought definitely he in agreement. Like, I was still expecting like 85, 90 from him. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement there. So the last player that I wanted to touch on is Elias Pettersson. You have him at 17. I have him at 13. I think, um, as mentioned, I I've mentioned this a few times, but I think the Canucks are really going to bounce back. I'm really high on Hughes, obviously high on Miller. But really had a Hughes and Pedersen resurgence. I'm not calling it a breakout because they already broke out, but a resurgence back to their form when Pedersen obviously won the Calder and Hughes was runner-up. Um, and so I think that, that we're going to definitely see them push back. I think a Besser bounce back is also very, very realistic. He's obviously not a center, but I'm really high in Pedersen heading into the season. His ADP is a lot lower um, than it has been in previous years. And so I find myself ending up with him in a lot of our drafts. I find out that I'm taking him as kind of that center two, which is what I have him as an elite center two. Um, and so I think that 
I have him at center 13, obviously. Um, and I really like the way he's going. I like the way that obviously he, they've switched into the left wing as well last year. So he has the option to be that second line center, or he can be that first line center, or he can be the first line left winger with JT Miller. If they want to play Miller or him on the wing, I think him and Miller are kind of going to be together for most of that the season next year on that top line. And so I think with a Miller 90 plus point production, I think Pedersen can follow it up with a 90 plus point production. And I think the two of them and probably Besser Garland will also, all three of them will have great seasons heading into next year or not heading in it, but great seasons next year. All right. So don't know why Antonio went silent there, but with that, we're heading into the next position and that'll be our left wingers. So I believe we're actually, I'm pretty sure we're, we're consensus on the top people as well. Um, the top 10, I think we are also in agreement, just different, slightly different order on oh, no, or actually different on one thing, but yeah, anyway, one guy. we're, we're off on one guy, but we'll get into that when, when we get there. Um, so Antonio, do you want to start us off here with, with the consensus number one? Yeah. So our consensus number one is Kirill Kaprizov, obviously carrying the Minnesota wild this year. I think what really did it to, for us was his insane production in the playoffs, like absolutely bonkers um, what this guy was able to do. I think he was just really making his presence known every single game. Um, and he's just like, I, I think what's really nice for me is that he, any game, he has the potential to just go for multiple points. Like two goals and an assist is an average, um, like good game for him. It's not like a, wow, he did this where it is, where it is for like some other elite centers where it's like, yeah, they're a guy that does gets consistently one goal. Kaprizov is really able to take control of any individual game, which I think is very um, enticing to us uh, considering it's, it's more so like he is making it happen, not other people or the situation making it happen for him, uh, which is individual or unique to uh, only a few players. But I think that definitely um, he is he's probably going to be able to repeat this year. I don't know if he gets 100 again, but um, I think yeah. I think I think 50 for goals is is definitely something very easy that he can do 50 for goals and 100 for points, I think, is kind of what I expect out of him personally. Um both that, I'll touch on my number two left winger. So I have Jonathan Huberdo. I just don't expect that. I expect the regression to be the same as it would be on the Panthers. Obviously, the Panthers had a great season last year, but he wasn't playing with Barkov. Whereas I expect him to play with um, a Lindholm and um, Toffoli or Mangiapane, um, or possibly even a Kadri and Lindholm, depending on what they don't want to do. Um, but I think those are better players than what he was playing with last year. That being, he was playing with with Bennett and Reinhardt, I believe. And I think if he ends up with Lindholm and Mangiapane, in my opinion, those two are better than Bennett and Reinhardt. And so I think the power play will probably be a bit worse. So I think, again, we'll see some of that natural aggression, but we would have seen that if he was in Florida too, which is why I still have him as my second left winger. And when I was breaking it down, there just truly wasn't anyone that I was like, yeah, like they're just better than than what he's going to do next year. And I think I expect, I think to expect 25 goals, 70 assists is very realistic from Huberto next year. Oh, guys, this is the first time <laughs> in fantasy since I started that I haven't had Marshawn as a top three or top five left winger. And it's the first time because he's coming in with an injury. Big thing to remember. Um, even though I still believe he's a top five left winger for sure. If not, I, I, I believe that he's okay. It's pretty consensus. He's a top three left winger in the league. Um, but I believe he's like a top two 
I mean, the same thing because of Kaprizov, he's able to um, take control of the game. Probably Kaprizov is better now because of the age. Um, but when he's back and healthy, I believe Marshawn is going to get right back into that top five very easily. Um, so that's why I'm I'm looking at him late. Getting to my second left winger. This is just a very big story, I know. Um, but Alexander Ovechkin, he may or may not be here partially because I'm eating my words from last year where I said he was going to fall off a cliff and he showed me up and said, nah, nah, not happening, buddy, and went out and had another 40-goal season. Um, so, you know, I am uh, I'm eating my words. Uh, he's my number two left winger. He's the best goal scorer ever, and he's probably also the best left winger ever. So, um, what's with these sassy evers that you that you're putting ever, out here right now? <laughs> ever, because I'm eating my words. Okay, like I can't. It's hard for me. Um, but yeah, not much to say. It's Alex Ovechkin. Uh, all right. I mean, fair enough. I've met number three. However, in my opinion, there's somewhat of a steep drop off after this, but I do think Ovechkin purely because of his ability to score goals will, um, will be this good. I think, um, for me, for me, really breaking it down here, the, the kind of the top five that I have in left wingers, aside from Kaprizov, so really four to really two to five. If you look at my, my rankings, all are second round picks. So I'm really grabbing, generally grabbing my left winger, not even more than that. Um, two to six are all second round picks. So I'm really heavy on the left wingers. There's not too much depth when I was breaking it down. So that is also something important to note. Yeah. Um, but I have Ovechkin at three. But um, yeah, I think you're maybe a little too high on him because you're a bit still kind of worried based on what happened last year. Um, and so I think you're a bit high on him, but I think... I think you're going to overproject him just slightly, which is why I have him as, but I mean, I have my number three, so we're both kind of in agreement. but I think he'll score a lot of goals, but I think his assist will regress um, with Wilson being out to start the year Backstrom being done for the whole season. He'll have kind of, he'll have a Kuznetsov and probably Mantha on his top line um, or probably Kuznetsov and Oshi and then Mantha Strom and Brown will be that second line before Wilson's back. Um but yeah, I think I think Ovechkin will really be relied upon to score goals. He's done his whole career, and he'll continue to do it this season. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. Um, so next for me was Huberto, but you already covered him. Um, no, I, that's not what the rankings say. Oh shoot, never mind. Next for me is Matthew Kachuk. I skipped one. <clears throat> Fourth for me is Huberto, which Ben already talked about. But third for me is Matthew Kachuk. Um, I think that he has a lot of upside going to Florida. Um, to play with Barkov. I think that he he's the difference between him and Huberto is that yes, Huberto's good. I think that he's a better player than him in the real life. But in his situation, Huberto was playing on a separate line than Barkov last year and was able to put up points. But he's not going to be playing with his players as good as Barkov this year, in my opinion. Um, whereas Kachaki has already confirmed that he's probably going to be starting on a line with Barkov. And I think that those two guys together are just going to be like a, such a great duo. We've already seen um amazing duos put together like Marshawn and Pasternak like um Matthews and Marner like uh I don't know my McDavid and Kane comes to mind in current current events McKinnon and Rantanen when you get those really good guys on the same line together they're really able to put up great numbers together obviously it might be better for the team if they're split up but for fantasy it's best when they're together and so I think that he's he's going to have that little bit of a step on Huberto but they're basically identical to me 
Um, yeah, I, I think I have Matthew Kachuk at five. But as I mentioned before, the actual separation between these guys and my thing, like I have looking at it, I have Kaprizov is seven in my rankings. But then I go Huber, I go Huberto 14, Ovechkin 16, Connor 17, Kachuk 18, Goudreau 20. So I'm very, very similar in all these guys. Next player I have is Kyle Connor. I think that Shifley is actually going to have a very good season this year. I have missed 17 on my center ranking, so I think he's going to have a good season again next season. Um, I think that Connor as well, and I think that I think they'll finally realize that putting Ehlers on that top line with them is the right choice over Blake goddamn Wheeler. Um, I get aggressive because I have Ehlers in a lot of leagues and had him in a lot of leagues, and he burned me because they didn't actually play him on that top line like the reports that I was reading said. Um, and so I think that Connor is going to continue that production. I think 40 goals from Connor is also very realistic, especially if he's with Ehlers, who's an elite puck mover, an elite playmaker. And so I think to expect like a 35, like a 45 from Connor, 35 from Shifley, 30 from Ehlers, if that top line sticks together as well, because the idea that PLD may be traded at the deadline, if they struggle, that as well puts more pressure if they're going to win games on that top line, assuming that they all are together. And if they all are together, they're going to be elite. And even if Connor isn't, I still think he's, he doesn't change that much value. He maybe loses slightly behind Kachuk. Um, but um, I'm not banking on that at the moment. All right. So my next guy is Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously and I you have Huberto. He has Kachuk three, Huberto four, and then he has Connor five, all who we've touched on. I have Connor four and then Kachuk five. So we'll move on to consent. We have consensus number six. Yeah. Just to update you guys where we are. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, obviously being traded to Columbus. I think that takes away from his value a little bit. Like if I, I probably would have had him ahead of Connor if his situation stayed the same, but considering he's no longer going to have another hundred point scorer in Matthew Kachuk, like that pairing is no longer together. I think it's going to take away from his production a little bit, but the main uh, beneficiary from this is Patrick Laine, who's going to be on the same line as him, very likely, as well as Jack Roslovic. That line is going to be a line to deal with for any team. Lots of talent there. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, obviously, I think is going to be the facilitator there um, with Laine being the main finisher, I think, um, in terms of Chell, Chell terminology. Um but yeah, I think I think that Gaudreau obviously still going to probably put up around high 80s, 90s points. I don't think he's going to crack 100 again, but he, he's really going to help out line A on that line. Um, Yeah, that's that's definitely fair there. I, I can't say I disagree too much with that. So the next player that I have is at number seven. I have Artemi Panarin. As mentioned, I think if he ends up as a bandage ad, he, um, he, he's going to be an elite player. And even if not, also mentioned previously, Trocek is a much better second line center than Ryan Strom is. And so I think Panarin either way will will probably improve what he did last season. Um, obviously, it's hard to say, but not improve maybe, but maybe slightly improve. But just there'll be more consistency surrounding him as he struggled to start the year as the Zibanejad. And so I think that because of that, I, I do really like Panarin next season. Um, I think he's uh, I have him just outside in that early third round. And then after him, to me, there's a bit of a drop off in terms of the left wingers. And I think he's the last true elite, elite left winger uh, on my list and the last true like play dominant um, production winger or play dominant production left winger specifically. I would um, I would disagree just a little bit with that because I have Jake Gensel next just before Panarin. Um, my reasoning behind this is because he's been already able to put up, if I'm not mistaken, 40 goals. 
uh, on a line with Crosby. And I don't see a reason why that pairing doesn't continue to be uh, a very high scoring duo. Um, Gensel obviously has a lot of ta- talent and knack for scoring. And I think paired with Crosby, as long as Crosby is able to carry that line with Gensel, uh, I don't see a reason why Gensel doesn't continue to produce. And he's only going to get better considering he's 23. Um, actually, he might be 25. I always get... Let he's me... 27. What? Nah, you're capping. I no, to... I'm not. He's 27. He scored 40 goals last year and 40 goals in 2018-19. Um, just to update you. Um, I'm living in the past, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's a, a Wow. I, don't you love when like somebody's like a lot older than you thought they were just because like he was the 23 when we started playing fantasy. Um. Anyway, he's still middle aged, mid prime. I don't see a reason why he stopped scoring, and I think that he's gonna be still elite for a couple of years to come. Yeah, I have Jake Gensel at my number eight, and you have Panarin at your number eight. So a bit of a flip flop there. Um. So I do agree, but I just think there's a bit more of a drop off between him and Panarin in terms of just total point in production. Next player I have is actually someone who's pretty off compared to where you have him, and that's Gabriel Landeskog. Mm-hmm. I have him at number nine. I think that um, even if he's not on that top line, he's on that top power play in Colorado. I think losing Kadri does definitely hurt him, um, but I still think that he's a really, really good player, and I think the odds of him ending up back on that top line at some point during the season is not out of the realm of possibility. I think the odds of him playing 30 games on that top line um, which in my opinion is enough to vault him inside that top 10, even if he just gets 30 games with them, because he'll still be able to produce on his own on that other line and he'll still be on an elite power play. Um, and so I really like Landis Cog a bit less because of his personal play, but just because of his situation, it's it's just so good to pass up on. And obviously he's a good player um, in his own right, but just he uh, he's more of a... a um, more effective real life player than he is for fantasy, just in terms of play driving. And I think for, for fantasy, he, he can't really drive his own line, but um, he obviously is surrounded by the best situation in the league, according to last season. And I think with him being on the, the avalanche and him being able to still be a good player with other good players surrounding him, will will find a way to produce and find a way to be very good for fantasy. If I can just add on to that for a second, I think, Sure, when he's playing with the first line of the abs, he he's probably going to be in the top. Well, he's going to be in the top 10 for left wingers. But I think for the time being, while he's not on that second line, I'm just really worried about his production because he's not generally the guy to carry the play. He's kind of the guy to stand in front of the net and put them in. Um, obviously, he's a big leader on their team, so that's a factor that too. But I honestly think there's a reason I have him at 13. It's because I don't think that he's going to be able to carry that second line without Kadri. And I think that... I'm I'm a little bit worried about his production for this coming year. Obviously, I think he's going to be effective, but I don't I don't know if he's going to be effective fantasy wise. Moving on, I have Alex DeBrinket at nine. Um, obviously, the the big trade is really everything that factored into this this change in ranking. Um, having the opportunity to play on a line with um Giroux and Stutzla, Stutzla, yeah. They're on the second line. Uh, those two, that's just a very, very solid second line for the Senators. Some may say the best second line in the league. Um, I don't think they're far off the people who are saying that. Maybe not, but maybe not exactly the best in the league, but definitely top three. Um, but I just, I really like his place on the Senators. Obviously, he loses the benefits of having Patrick Kane on his line. And so there, there's going to be a little bit of, um, 
I guess I think it's he stays the same really in value, if not going up, though, considering he has two elite players on his line, as well as a team that's going to be somewhat competent this year, um, considering what he his team was like last year on the Chicago, who's now a bottom two team in the league. I guess where I'm going with this is that I, I really like his upside on the on the upcoming Senators, although I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs quite. I think they're going to be, be one of those teams that's really making a push. And I think that his time with uh, Giroux and Stutzla is really going to benefit him. And it's definitely going to increase his playmaking numbers, considering Stutzla is also a goal scorer. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. I have to bring it at number 10. Um, and so do you want to touch on your last player? Because that's not everyone inside my top 10. You want to touch on Philip Forsberg, who you have 10, and I have number 15. For reference, Antonio, I have Landis Cog at 9, and you have him at 13. So just quickly touch on Forsberg, who's the last player here. Yeah, I think Forsberg, um, the reason I have him here, and I think it's very fair for him to be here, is because um, of his efficiency, like his incredible efficiency. I'm pretty sure if you look at um, points per game, if I can look back at this, let me just check. The reason that he wasn't very high in the rankings last year um, is because he missed games, which I don't, it doesn't. Yeah, his, goals per, his goals per 60, he was well, second to only Matthews. Yeah, he was disgusting. Um but yeah, I think he definitely deserves to be here. I don't think there's any reason that he's going to be held out of games. Um, you know, he had 84 points in 69 games last year. 42 goals, 42 assists. Like, that is disgusting. Like, honestly, like, looking at that, he should probably be a little bit higher up in my rankings. But there is, like, I'm worried about how the Predators do next year. But considering his point per game, like, he is way over point per game. Like, he is, he was um 15 points over point per game ridiculous anyway i i uh, he just blah, just based off the stats he should be english there. is hard I know. Uh, it's, i'm just gonna jump in here which is the main reason that i think he's lower on you know my rankings is just because of the fact that he i think he's lower because he um blah, i just forgot what i was gonna say um I have him lower because you see those efficiency as good. I see that efficiency as bad. I think that that efficiency results in a lot higher aggression in terms of like a lot of his production was was much, much higher than the than like normal, even for him or for other good, good players. Like Forsberg isn't the second best goal scorer in the league. And so that's why I think there's going to be some aggression there. But jumping right into three players I would like to touch on, um, First, I have Andre Pilat. I have Pilat at 22 in my left wingers. So obviously this is a bit lower. We're not talking about an elite, elite player, but I think going back to what I said about Hughes, I think the connection between him and Hughes expecting him to play with Hughes is where I think his production is going to come. He's going to be on the first line. They paid him six mil there. He's going to be kind of be that catalyst left winger. And I think playing with an soon to be elite center in Hughes is where I get my excitement from Pilat and why I have him a lot higher than you do as you don't have him in your top 25. On my first guy, I'll, I'll touch on Brad Marchand. I already kind of talked about him, but I think he's a guy that you definitely, I am drafting him almost every sixth round because all I know I will eat those 14 games, whatever, the first um, month or so of the league because I know that when he gets back, he's going to be a top, very like an elite player for me. He's going to be like a, the third best, second best player on my team. Um, so I will definitely eat those first that first start of the season. I I will... If it, may, it means that I'm losing a couple weeks, that's fine. Because I, I, I trust the rest of my drafting skills to draft enough players and have players in the lineup that are going to make 
make me win at least a couple of those weeks, day 500. But as soon as he comes back, I know that I'm going to be a force to be reckoned with because he's a player that at that value is just ridiculously good. Um, You can keep going. I'll, 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 I'm, I'm, yeah. <clears throat> okay, I don't even know what you're saying there. But all right, so the next player that I have is Nikolai Ehlers. I've also briefly touched on him in terms of his production. I touched on it with Connor. I think that he um, is likely to be on that top line. I think it's finally time to have him on that top line. Um, and I think that's where he'll get some elite, elite production from. I think that he, um, if he finally gets on the top line, which I believe he will, that's where you'll really see his point production really skyrocket. Um, and I really do like him heading into next season. I liked him heading, in, heading into last season. Didn't totally work out, but again, I'm, I'm maintaining that train. I'm sticking on the Ehlers train and I really like him. I do. I am at 18. You have him at 17. So we're pretty high in him, but again, there is that risk factor there just about him uh, not getting on that line and then obviously not producing because right. of it. My next guy is at Vander Kane. We watched him and McDavid absolutely cook in the playoffs. They were the best scoring duo in the playoffs that played on the same line in the entire playoffs. This was going into the third round. He outscored players that played four rounds and three rounds, this duo. Just absolutely disgusting. I think if he's able to keep up the chemistry with McDavid, which I don't see a reason why not, um, I think he's he's going to see an amazing uptick in points. Obviously, this is a guy that was elite for San Jose, was out of the league for a year because of gambling stuff and other and otherwise. Um, but he's back now, and I think that he's a great fit on this Oilers team uh, and on that first line with McDavid. And if you play with McDavid anyway, you're going to be fantasy relevant. But considering he's an elite player as well, even better. All right, so the last player that I'm going to touch on is, again, one, like I did with the centers, it's due to regression. I have Chris Kreider at 19. You're still pretty high on him at 12. But I think everything he did last season, according to every single advanced stat metric, says he's not going to repeat what he's going to do. I don't see a world where he repeats what he's going to do. He just, like, the 50 goals that he scored wasn't even close to anything he's done. I think, to be honest, I think they're going to move him down the second line because I think they're going to have Panarin go on that top line, as I've mentioned now three times on this episode. Um, but I think that because of that Kraj is going to regress, even if he doesn't, I just think natural regression, his shooting percentage was higher, his goals per 60 was way higher. His power play goals was like otherworldly impressive, his power play numbers in yeah. terms of scoring. And so I think that all of that just leads to natural regression. And I think once that, once that inevitably happens, he's probably due for the biggest regression of any player in the league, in my opinion, uh, him or Rodriguez. Um, and I think he definitely will regress a ton and then not be obviously not fantasy relevant. He's been fantasy relevant before, but more into that, like you're good, but you're nothing unbelievable. Yeah. All right. My last guy is Matthew Boldy for the same reason we were kind of talking with Sam, Sam Steele. I think that they're really looking to um, fill the holes that they made with um, losing Fiala and otherwise um, with internal growth in Matthew Boldy, I think they're really hoping that um, they introduced him into the lineup last year as a, like a kind of third line guy. Um, and he was actually able to make a pretty good big mark on the team. I think that with another year of development and being able to get, have more minutes on the second line, I think that he's definitely going to take the next step. And I think he's really going to be a solid top six player for them and really be um, relied on to score points and really be effective. Okay. So with that, 
Um, we're going to take one last break, and after the break, we'll go into our last position, that being right-wingers. And we're back for the last time, moving into our right-winger rankings. Um, let's get, get right into it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to feast. We, this is the one we're probably the most different on. I'd say like our top yeah. 10 is still the same, just very different. All right. I'll get right into it. My first, my number one rank is the 138 point man himself, Nikita Kucherov. This is his year. He's coming back with a vengeance. He's going to come back from all his, his injuries, not get injured again this year. Please God, don't get injured. <laughs> um, but he is an elite talent. Like when he's healthy, last year he was ridiculous too. These injuries haven't taken away from his eliteness. They've just taken away time. So I think if he's able to play 70 games this year, I think he's a top three right winger. If he plays all 82, I think he's number one. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily totally agree with him being that elite. Um, I have him a bit lower than you, but uh number one, I have the man, the myth, the legend, Mitchell Marner. Uh, I think he really yeah, found a new. I think he was not. He can't even make those jokes anymore because he was very good in the playoffs. And as I was about to mention, he found a new gear last year, and he found he really maximized his potential. He obviously had that ninety-seven point year um, in 2018-19, um, but that was a lot of assist base. That was a lot of. He like it wasn't true him carrying the play. He was picking up a mo- lot more cheaper points. Whereas this year, he had thirty five goals, I think, which is right around his cap. I think maybe is an outside shot of being a forty goal scorer once in his career, but that that um won't be the general that won't be the 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 norm for him. But I think he really found a way to dominate play. And in my opinion, he actually dominated play better than Matthews did. I think obviously Matthews was the unbelievable goal scorer, but if you actually broke down the games and watched, Marner actually had more puck control in the offensive zone. Um, obviously, he didn't warrant the same pressures Matthews because he wasn't able to put the puck in the net the same way. Um, but I think that that new gear that Marner's found mate is finally been able to allow him to put in that top that top right winger spot. Which, as you know, Antonio, I've been pretty reasonable in not putting him there, but I think he's found that gear to warrant being in that top right winger spot hey i have him too so i can't i can't complain with anything now why do you have him spelled myth cell marner <laughs> he's a myth a legend <laughs> but it's mitchell you, you have him as mitchy marner i have him as, mitchell as mitch as mitch mitchell you were get fucking skating mitch i swear to god <laughs> Mr. Mitchell, if you're watching, we love you. Shout out to our old geography teacher. Um, okay. My next, my third ranked is Ben's second ranked. Obviously, I had Mitchell Marner at two. But I have Miko Rantanen. Oh, as he's showing the Marner jersey. Um, I have Miko Rantanen, the cup winner at three. Um Obviously, he plays with Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. Enough said. That's all you're going to say, really? Yes. 
I request to be able to talk about David Pasternak. No, not yet. So the next player that I have at number two, I have Meek Ranton. I'll add a bit more. I'm adding a bit more insight than okay, Antonio okay, decided okay. to add. Um, I think Ranton, and obviously he's a great play driver, and he's a very, very good goal scorer. As he was, I think he finished third in the COVID shortened season in goals. Um, and so he's obviously he's a great he's a great goal scorer. He's a great player, and obviously getting to play with the, the consensus top five player in the league. Two of them, arguably him in him and Makar. Um, and I think so. That's where he gets some. He'll get some really elite production from him, and that's why I have him number two. All right, I'm gonna take David Pasternak, the consensus number four right winger. Honestly, I okay, okay. Briefly touching on it, I have Kucherov at four or Kucherov at three, and Antonio's Rantanen at three. So there we go. I have Marner, Rantanen, and Kucherov. Antonio's Kucherov, Marner, Rantanen. So top three over with. All right, our consensus number four is David Pasternak, and are you guys ready to talk? Because I'm ready to talk. I I can't hear it. It's like cut out. Oh, that's very loud. <laughs> you said you said Nathan McKinnon. And I just reminded me of the announcer goes, "What a goal by Nathan McKinnon!" And so that's why I just had to play that clip real quick. All right, all right. But David Pasternak, back to this. I am a Bruins fan, and I thought he was playing. Yeah, like we fucking know. <laughs> I, I thought he was playing like a lot more shit than he was. But let me tell you, I predicted his bounce back last season. He was absolute. Dog shit to start the season. He was so bad. He was like a top six player at best. He scored two goals against New Jersey. And I'm like, that's it. That's the spark. And he comes back with a fury and becomes a top 10 goal scorer of the year. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> wow, that's some real confidence in that take. <laughs> well, he had just under point per game to end the season. I think he's poised for next season. You know, he was coming off two things. He's coming off that broken thumb from the conference a couple years ago. And then. (laughs) (laughs) What an idiot, man. How the fuck do you break your thumb and put yourself out two months from breaking your thumb in a press conference? Dude, I really wish they could have seen my face. That look that I gave you, though. Yeah, like, what the fuck (laughs) is he talking about? But but then also, obviously, his his whole um, core thing from, from... the, the playoffs last year. Oh, I guess the rhythm is going to get you. That anyway. didn't make any sense moving on. <laughs> yeah, I just gave him a very concerned look. Um, but yeah, Pasternak, uh, obviously in a very elite goal scorer. He, he was probably top five when he's healthy. Um, obviously, he won the Rocket a couple years back, tied with Ovechkin. I think that he can still be a top five goal scorer in the league. He obviously took a step back the last two years. Because number one, two years ago, he was injured. And then this last year, he was coming back from injury at the start of the year. I think what really hurt him um, was, first of all, he no longer plays with Marshawn, which hurts hurts his value, obviously, a little bit. Um, But also the fact that his big thing is his one-timer. And he wasn't really, it didn't, yeah, it didn't really look like that was um, working very well for him, considering he was coming back from injury in his core. I would expect that probably when he was swinging across body, he wasn't feeling exactly great, still a little bit uncomfortable, but it looked at it like he really found his step at the end of the year. I'm trying to talk really fast here because Ben's rushing me. Um, but I think coming into this year, he's going to be fully healthy, and I think that he's going to be able to carry that line with David Krejci and Taylor Hall and really score goals again with that amazing passer and David Krejci. Let's move on. And break. 
Okay, so the next player that I have is Mark Stone. Um, I think he's really started to become really underrated. People forget just how good this guy truly was a couple seasons ago in terms of his point production. Um, obviously, he was named captain, and then they had he was injured. Patretti was injured. Eichel was injured. And so I think a healthy season of Eichel and him, obviously don't have Patretti anymore, but I don't think that's too important. That's too – those are – Eichel and Stone are two elite, elite players. Um, and so I have – I have um, Stone at number five. I think that that's not too much of a hot take there. And I think him and Eichel, as Antonio mentioned, we're both high on Eichel. And Antonio really likes Eichel heading into this season. And I think connecting that, that'll make Stone an elite player again this season. All right. My number five guy is Patrick Kane. Hope and a prayer that he gets traded at some point in the season before the trade deadline so that he his fantasy season is saved. If he stays on the Blackhawks all season, this take is going to be terrible terrible i'm telling you guys he's an outside top 10 actually no i'd say he's like the number nine or number 10 right winger on his current team considering it's the black hawks the most like i would say probably the team with the worst future actually that's not true the worst team right now with the worst future because like you could be like oh yeah arizona but arizona actually has some good prospects coming up surprising i know they have like all of five thousand fans but um, Chicago, I think he really has nobody. Like, Jonathan Taves can't even help him anymore. Like, he has Max Domi coming in. Cool. That's about it. You're losing Alex Dabrinkit. Obviously, you were able to put up good points last year, but it's not going to happen again. Like, you're going to be carrying your line, obviously. And that's why, he's, if he stays on his team, I think he puts up 80 points. But I think he's, like, there's huge rumors to be traded to either the Leafs or the Oilers, in which case he gets 90-plus points, possibly even 100. End of story. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I have Kane at number six. You have Stone at number six. So obviously, I think I, I like Kane as well. I'm higher on William Nylander than Benjamin. Yeah. So uh, the next player for Antonio is. Oops, I missed the call. I missed it. We also can like hear every other word, maybe. Okay, I'll turn it down slightly. The next player is. Did you hear that one? Somewhat. Like, maybe the first half. And then it was like, baby. Baby, baby. I don't know. Okay. Wow. All right. So the next player that I have, or the next player that you, I'll go first. The next player that I have is Patrick Line at number seven. Obviously, we did our positional breakdown on him, and I've hyped him up plenty of times this offseason. I think 50-plus goals from Line. My rankings to be the same, same as Benjamin, just an FYI, everybody. So this is a consensus number six, I believe. We're not consensus um, number six. number seven. Okay, so yeah, consensus number seven. We have Line A. Antonio spelled it wrong, um, but I have what Line did I at spell seven. It? You C K. It's just K. Um, obviously, oh, Line A is Line A is a great goal scorer. He's getting one of the best playmakers in the league in Johnny Goudreau, and I think that paired with the fact that he is an elite goal scorer, he'll finally reach that fifty goal mark for the first time in his career. Last time he played with anyone of even a good uh, playmaking ability. Um, he, um, he was really good. He was, I knew a good playmaking ability on the jets. He obviously, he scored over 40 goals. So I think that's why 50 goals is very reasonable playing with Goudreau and probably Boone Jenner. Boone, baby. Question. Can I so he's really good. Who quote on who you quote on Patrick line. He's just 
He did really good. <laughs> He's a fun guy. That's <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Toronto kids. Um, of course, Antonio's going to the fridge, but oh, yeah, oh, not much else. Right he said line right of fifty right goals. Right heard right. it first, and if you want to check out, check out uh, an even more in-depth take go check out our player breakdown on them it's up on our instagram at fancy out pucks and remember dm us to be in that 24 team league 100 uh all right are we yeah we're continuing on now okay the next guy is we willie nylander i can let you take this if you want all right sure um i think nylander i think nylander is going to do what marner did last year there's more in the tank for nylander there's 40 plus in the tank for nylander for goals um and there's 90 plus in points. I'm I can't say with confidence he's going to get that, which is why I have him at seven on my right winger rankings. But I think that Nylander is a very good. Uh, he's obviously a very good player, and I think that Nylander is someone who needs to needs to really step it up for the Leafs. Um, and I think he will find that groove this season. I think he'll do what Marner did, where he really found that ability to um, to find his potential. And I think that'll be 40 plus goals from Elander. I think that'll also improve Tavares's ability, which is why I think Tavares could have a good bounce back season. And I think all that also could hinge on the fact that if they get Robertson on that second line with them. I think that that second line will be dynamite for the Leafs. And so that's why I see Nylander being a pretty easy top 10 right winger. Yeah. I'd have to say that's why I, I had him above, above line. And then I realized, Oh yeah. Good throws now on Columbus. All right. So continue with Adrian Kempe. Um, obviously, with the addition of Kevin Fiala on his line on LA and his obvious uptick in scoring last year, and for fantasy especially, um, I mean, I guess it applies to both, both in real life and in fantasy. Um, we are really high on him, especially Ben. He really loves this guy. He's been trying to trade with Owen for him since the beginning of time. Um, but yeah, I think obviously yeah, him and him and Liner are really the two that we've hyped up the most this offseason. Yeah. Uh and we have at least for me, I've made the take fifty plus goals for both of them this season. So um Yeah, and you can see more on our player breakdown on our Instagram at fantasy hockey pucks, of course. Um, and so I think and so I think um yeah, as we mentioned. Kempe is one of the players we've hepped up the most, and I'm really high on him heading into the um, the next. All right, Antonio. What happened? What just happened? Everything just like died. What do you mean? Completely cut out. Okay, what what were you saying just now? I don't know why that just died, but I just said, "All right, why don't you get in touching your touch on your tenth, and then I will touch on my tenth um, player." All right. So my number 10 is a guy I own in fantasy and I love him. Vladimir Tarasenko. show, you know, the, the human highlight reel. This man is amazing. Um, he makes plays out of nowhere that nobody else can. Obviously the injury that lasted about two years didn't help his fantasy value, but he's back last year. He had a great season. I don't think he's going to quite repeat. I think he's probably going to still be around point per game, maybe a little bit under, but I still think he's going to be around 40 goals. Like, he's just a goal scorer. That's what he's known as. I still really like him. I'm going to keep holding on to him probably. If I can upgrade him for, like, a line air Kempe, sure, I'll grab that. But 
I, I like him at his current value that I have him at, and I think that he is still deserving of a top 10 spot in the right-wing rankings. All right, so the last player that I have at number 10 is Sam Reinhart. I think he – people seem to forget that he had an amazing season last year. He was just absolutely dynamite on that power play. I think I don't think he'll be on that top. I don't think he'll be on that second line with Barkov and, um, or that top line with Barkov and Kachuk. I think they'll probably have him, Bennett, and um, Duclair probably on that second line, which is still two good players. And then obviously he gets the top line and Ekblad being healthy. That's really when that power play was unbelievable, is when they had Ekblad. Um, I called my shot on Reinhardt last year. It hit, and I'm just going to stick with it. I really like Reinhardt in the next season. I liked him even when he was on the, the, the Sabres with Kachuk, and I've continued that on an even better team with Florida. And so obviously don't think he's going to end up on the top line. There's also a side shot that he ends up on the top line and not Kachuk. That didn't really factor in because I don't think that'll be that'll come to fruition. And then obviously if they decide to go stack with that unbelievable top three, then in my opinion, he jumps up even higher. But overall, where I think he's going to play, where I think he's going to land, I have Reinhardt at number 10. All right, so you're just fat. <laughs> All right, so moving on, um, we're gonna get into our three favorites now. Uh, obviously, um, wow, we have yep, yeah. Never mind. I just realized that we have Jesper Brad in both our our left and right winger right, rankings. Oh, well, no, he's a right winger. Why'd you put him back into your left winger rankings? I don't have him in my left winger rankings. Um. I swear you did. I thought you changed that. Never mind. All right. So I'm just going to start it off because Antonio is just mumbling away over there. So the first player that I have is the first player that I have is Zach Hyman um, that I really like. I have him at 21. So again, we're not talking about any sort of elite player here, but I think he'll be on that top line with Hyman or with Kane and McDavid. And I think people forget just how good this guy was because he went through, he was unbelievable to start the season last year. Then he obviously struggled for a bit. And I think he'll be, he's going to be a very good player for the the Oilers this season. He's a good hard worker. I loved him on the Leafs. Um, but I think on that top line with Kane, I think he'll pick up a lot of, and McDavid, obviously, I think he'll pick up a lot of cheap assists. As Antonio mentioned, Kane was unbelievable. I think the cheap assists and garbage goals that he can pick up are very, very high on that potential and potential for him to do that. I think he's probably done enough to earn a top power play spot as well. And I think people are just sleeping on Hyman overall. Um, and I think the chance of him crushing my right winger 20 or yeah, my right winger 21 uh, has a lot of potential for him to do that. Okay. My next guy is Tyler DeFoley. I have him at ranked 15 and Ben has him ranked 24. The main reason for, for my picking of him and why I like him as a guy um, to pick in your draft is because he is going to likely be playing, or there's at least a chance that he's playing on the top line with the Flames this year um, with Huberto and Lindholm. And I think like anytime you guys have the chance to play with an elite 100-point guy with like Huberto, you're obviously going to take it. Um, anytime you have a guy, you want, uh, anytime you have a guy with an elite playmaker like him, they're going to bring back points to your fantasy team. And even if he doesn't end up being on a line with him, he's likely going to be on a line with Kadri. And we saw that worked out for uh, Gabe Landeskog last year. Now, by no means is Tyler Toffoli quite as good as Gabe Landeskog. But at the same time, Tyler Toffoli was very good for the Canadians. And again, um, I still think he has the upside to be very good again, considering who he has to play with. Very, It's a very much a situational pick, like where he is, not necessarily the players so much. 
Yeah, that's somewhat similar to my Landis Cog thing from earlier. All right, so the next player that I want to touch on is Jesper Bratt. I have him at 15, like Antonio has Toffoli at 15, and then Antonio has him as a left winger, so there's no ranking at the moment for him. Um, I'm really high on Bratt, Azam, Plot, and Hughes. Again, third time mentioning this, but I love that first line for the Devils. I think Brad is a very underrated player. I think the contract that he got doesn't suggest how good of a player he is. I think he's even upwards of like a $7 million player. Um, That's for Brad? Yes. Okay. I think I think, I think Brad's a really good player, um, and I think that he definitely is is worth taking. I think his ADP is is just inside that top 100, and if I were to compare him to some of the people that are going around him, um, such as the Buchnevichs, the Caulfields, like the, to me that's not even close, and so I think he has very much league-winning potential at his current ADP. All right. My next guy is... You just mentioned $7 million players. Jordan Cairo got the absolute bag this offseason in terms of uh, extension with the Blues. I think you, anytime you play it. What? That was Robert Thomas who got paid. This is now the second time in an episode you've mixed the two of them up. They're the same player, I'm convinced. Wait, what? Did Cairo not get extended too? No, not this offseason. What the fuck? Okay, well, Tivo Teravainen then is my next. <laughs> Why does that matter? Your take of him can still be important. It's well, just I mean, not. I mean, yeah, but it's it's less significant because it was like the tie-in was the whole seven million dollars. Yeah. Who cares? Just talk about the good player. Well, obviously he's a good player. He's he's in the top six for the Blues. Who's in a dynamite offense. Um, and I think if he's able to make himself known a little bit better, especially if their lines were really weird last year. I don't know if it was just like me, but like they seemed like just really weird. I feel like if they straighten them out and make sure that like talent's playing with talent, like if they don't play Tarasenko on maybe like the third line and instead actually give him top six minutes with like guys like Thomas and Kairou, I, I feel like that their, their team can be even more explosive on offense. I get wanting to spread your wealth, but like I really think that the, it, as if they can figure out those lines, there's potential for the, for players in that top six to be absolutely explosive and that's going to include Jordan Cairo, in my opinion. But I, my point that I was going to make, had I not fucked up, is that if he's making a lot of money, they're obviously going to play him more minutes. But now it's just a potential minute. All right. So the third and final player that I have is Lucas Raymond. I have him at number 18. You have him at number 20. I really like Raymond heading into the season. Um, I think Detroit's going to start to take some steps forward. I think Larkin really showed back to that kind of when he was a rookie potential. Um, and I think him and probably Vrana will be that top line. Um, I think Vrana is also very under for fantasy. Um, but I think Raymond is, is someone who's going to, he, he kind of started to fall off at the end of the year, but I think that production that he had at the start of the season, he'll continue. I think he'll get up to around 70 points or so. I think he'll end up around there um, as well as cider and just the team as a whole taking steps forward. They don't have trouble scoring goals last year. And I don't expect that to be an issue this year. Um, and so I think Raymond really beginning to take a step forward into showing an elite, becoming an elite, elite winger, which he definitely easily can become. I think we're going to start to see that from him this year. All right. And my last guy is going to be Tebow Teravainen. As we talked about already at the start of the season, the first line for Carolina is likely going to be Aho, him, and Svechnikov, an elite line. Carolina, a contender, obviously very dangerous, and I think that he can really benefit from having Aho and Svechnikov on his line 
one thing to note and why he's a little bit further down my rankings is when Pacioretty gets back, they may, might look to shake things up there. And even before that, they might look to shake things up just to keep the lines a little bit more even, which may take away from his value. Um, but that's just something to monitor. I think going into the year, they definitely plan on having him on the first line with those two guys. All right. Without further ado, that'll wrap it up for today. Well, next time when we join back within the next couple of days, it'll be defense and goalies. Um, so stay tuned for that episode. But this was our four positional breakdowns. Um, we have really, there's not too much left in terms of rankings to cover. Um, we have our overalls, then breakout bounce back, sleeper and bus, and then we'll cover our hot takes kind of as we'll release that episode the night before the season starts, just being like, these are all our hot takes. Here we go. So just a few rankings, and then we'll get into some more mock drafts and a few more draft strategy episodes as we hear about a month away from the start of the season. And just a reminder, guys, for if you want to actually see the rankings yourself, you can find the link in our bio of our Instagram. We have a link tree there that has everything from our podcast to our website to our YouTube channel. Um, and so we have everything on there if you want to see it even before we record. Uh, it's constantly being updated. And there might be a couple that are not completely filled filled out yet as my phone interrupts me um <laughs> we we it's gonna yeah there it is um yeah we will have them those out very shortly like screw off anyway with, without further ado i hope you guys enjoyed okay it's done and uh, i will see you we will see you guys back here the next time we drop the puck <laughs>